Okay, let's um, let's begin our discussion of Parshas Korach. Again, just to announce the um, after this week, there'll be um, I'll be in uh, camp for two months, seven weeks. Uh, so um, the next Shabbos, the, the next Parsha that we will discuss um, together will be Parshas Kiseitze, which is uh, August 26th. That Wednesday we'll pick up Baruch Hashem. I think we only miss one Parsha since Parshas Lach Lecha. Uh, we'll be going straight. Um, so um, Hashem, we should uh, be able to continue many more, uh, many more Parshas and many more years. And hopefully uh, there won't be too many repeat different uh, Torah. That's uh, that's my job to try to remember. Okay, um, let us start our discussion of Parshas Korach. And, of course, the uh, major discussion in the Parsha, though there are, the second half of the Parsha talks about a number of mitzvos. the major discussion, which we'll talk about the first uh, half of the year, three-quarters of the year, is what exactly was Korach's motives? Uh, who, did exa- who did he think he was, he was starting up with? Why did he do what he did? So let's start off with the Malbim. Malbim in source number one. The Malbim notes, famous Chazal in Pirkei Avos, which classifies Korach. Korach comes up in Pirkei Avos. Where does Korach come up? Comes up with the definition of a machlokas l'shem shemayim and a machlokas shelo l'shem shemayim. Says the Malbim. Hini amru chazal ba'avos. Kol machlokas shehi l'shem shemayim sofa l'hizkayim. Any machlokas that is l'shem shemayim with lofty uh, motives and purposes sofa l'hizkayim. That machlokas will last. V'chol machlokas shehi l'shem shemayim ain't sofa l'hizkayim. Any machlokas that is not l'shem shemayim ain't so that's just to make somebody give somebody covered just a machlokas l'shem machlokas that's ain't so that will not last ve'ezu machlokas l'shem shemayim and of course the Mishnah gives examples of each one what is a machlokas l'shem shemayim zu machlokas hillel v'shamay hillel and shamay's machlokos those are l'shem shemayim note it does not say be shamay and be hillel shamay and hillel those that's the purest Machlokos l'shem shemayim, arguing to get to the truth of the Torah. Ve'ezehi machlokas shelo l'shem shemayim, zu machlokas korach v'adaso. Korach and his Ada and his group is an example of shelo l'shem shemayim. And the, basically every commentary on Pirkei Avos, uh, the Malbim here on Parshas Korach, asks the same question, and that is, it's not parallel. When you have an argument, you're arguing with the other per- with the other side. The Mishnah should say the Machlokash Lashem Shemayim is Shamay Vihalel. The Machlokash Lashem Shemayim is Korach Vemoshe. That's Pala. Who's he arguing with? He's not arguing with his Ada. They're on the same side. Right? It's not the if you have two teams playing each other, so you don't have a team A is playing team B. No, part of team A is not playing the other part of the part of team A. Right? So what does it mean? Shemachlokash Shalolashem Shemayim. Korach Vadaso. Just say Korach Vemoshe. Says the Malbim, Vahiroi Lomar, Zumachlokas Korachu Moshe, Kamashakazav, Zumachlokas Hilavashamai. Ulam Chazal Limdunu, what did Chazal teach us? Shemachlokas Hilashem Shemayim, Kokoach Mishnik Stadi Hachokim, Misachedes Baatzma. When you have a Machlokas Lashem Shemayim, though there is a Machlokas, there is also unity. There is also two parts of a discussion. But it's one discussion. Shammai and Hillel might have had different views, but ultimately, there's unity. They all have the same goal. As it says in Erevin, Right, the, uh, if we had a discussion of this uh, in the past, but the, the Maharal gives the mashal. What does it mean, How can they both be right? When the third grader raises his hand and said, Who's right? Is it Mut or is it Asr? And the Rebbe says, They're both right. I mean, they're both right. Two plus two can only equal four. There's only one answer. The answer is, Chazal say that in Torah there are multiple truths. Different sheet is about what exactly that means, but the Maharal explains. Let's say you have a tree. 
And you ask someone, what makes the tree grow? And one person says, water makes the tree grow. And another person says, it's the soil that makes the tree grow. And another person says, that it's the sun that makes the tree grow. So who's right? They're all right. Just depends on your perspective. Depends which way you're looking at it. It depends on your background. Depends what you're focusing on. But that's what every machlokas l'shem shemayim is. It's just different views of looking at something. Right? Chazal say there are there are, for every for every halacha that's tamei there are reasons to say that it's tahar. Right? There are different ways to look at things. But that's what it means. A machlokas l'shem shemayim. The ultimate goal is to get to the truth that a kaddish baruch hu implanted. That's Shammai and Hillel. Ula machlokas she'ena l'shem shemayim. Rak mibnei avas hakavod va'avas atzmo. But a machlokas that is not l'shem shemayim, but it's just done because I want to push my own opinion. I want to further my own shita. Az yesh machlokas va'od gam bein ha'anashim shehisachtu la'amon besad echad. What is a machlokas shelo l'shem shemayim? Even people on the same team get into arguments. Or get into argument, and they're not really unified themselves. The only reason that I'm on your team is because we we share similar ideas, but we're not really going for the same goals. I'm interested in my purposes, and you're interested in your purposes, even though we both have the same common enemy. Just like here. Why did it say Karach Vadaso? Because when you have a Machlokes Shalol Hashem Shemayim, even the people on the same side argue with each other and aren't unified. What's the example here? Second wide line. Each of the group of Karach, with Karach, they have their own Kavanis. Shinei Karach Ratsa Beguna Gadola. Karach wanted to be the Kohen Gadol. Right, Cohen says it's not fair. My father is older, right, than the uh, than the Nunesim's uh, father, so I should have gotten it. It's bad enough that Moshe and Aaron took the covet. He wanted to be Cohen Gadol. Etc. Continuing line sixteen. What did they want? They wanted to be Cohen Gadol. No. They're upset. We're the children of Ruvain. So bad enough. They were, he got everybody involved. That Ben Ezra explains that whoever Korach could 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 get and convince. You know what? You're from Ruvain. You should be upset. How could they do this to you? He was a trying to get everybody riled up for whatever reason to get them all on the same side, even though they really had different kavanas. And he says that's even what it says in the pasuk. Now we we'll go to the fourth to last line. V'zeo shalav vayikach korach in the middle. What does he vayikach korach? Kigazu anu kichikas dvarim v'tainus kachui mechem dvarim. Korach took means korach took with words. He convinced others. Shekorach lochach lo tainus lo machlokusu mashuhu ben yitzar ben kas ben levi. He was upset. Vayikach korach. Why? Because ben yitzar ben kas ben levi. Shachar yitzar who ben sheni lukahaz magilu akuna gadola. He wanted to be kohen gadol. V'dasan va'avira b'nei Eliyahu v'un ben Pelas. What they want? B'nei Reuven. They were the sons of Reuven, and that's why they were upset. The pasuk itself even alludes to different reasons why they were involved. Shachashu shakuna v'alavia magil l'shevet Reuven shehua b'char liyakov. So that's the message. It's Shammai and Hillel. Really, it's both opposites. It looks like Shammai and Hillel are on different sides, but they're really on the same side. It looks like, looks like Korach and his Ada are on the same side, but they're really on opposite sides. That's the Machlokas Hashem Shammai, and that's the Machlokas Shalol Hashem Shammai.
How does one know ultimately if one is involved in a machlokas, whether it's a machlokas shem shemayim or not? What's the litmus test? Is there a way to know? You know, I'm right. I'm right. I'm not, but they're wrong. They they did this. They did that. It's my neighbor. How can they do that? So says Rav Avadi Yosef in his commentary on Pirkei Avos, Anafet Zavos, in source number two, he quotes of Yonas and Ibishitz from the Yaros Dvash, line four. Sha'amnam Yetzahara Mesis Umediach Bekomachlokas Lo Marshiyil Hashem Shemayim. Our Yetzahara tries to tell us that every argument we're involved in is Hashem Shemayim. Come on, you're right. You have every reason to be angry. You have look what they did. You were slighted. You are stepped on. You have every reason. How could, who do they think they are? We justify everything. How dare they? I look at my, I look at the other person. I can't believe they're in that argument. It's over Stuyot. Me? This is not Stuyot. This is this is serious business. So the, the Yitzhar works very hard. Once it comes, once we're in a machlokes, he tries to convince us. Oh, shame Shemayim. Our rabbis gave us a simon to know. That's Hillel, and he says he doesn't. He's not medayik shamei Hillel, but also base shamei and base Hillel. Why? Because the Gemara says in the first parak of Yevamos, Sha'afal The Gemara says in Yevamos that even though they argued fiercely about serious issues, about issues of Arayos, issues of Yibam and Chalitza, they still loved each other, and they still discussed each other, and they still married into each other's families. Which is the ultimate level of of covet for each other? That's that's Beishamay. So that's the litmus test. Am I still machabe the other person? Do I still have ahava for the other person? Right? We say one of the alchets. We say sinaschinam. So the many of the parshim explain it means because we hate. We start hating the person instead of hating the idea, instead of hating their shita. We have to differentiate between the two. That's the litmus test. If I could still dislike what the other person is saying, but like the other person. Then I know it's a machlokas l'shem shemayim. I'm just arguing about the idea. When you're in a base manager, arguing with the chavrusa. What after the argument, they say us right? We start screaming about a ritva. Screaming about a ritva, and all of a sudden, I'm not going to talk to my chavrusa again. Of course, I'm going to talk to my chavrusa. I'm not going to say, oh, that's that svara. Forget it. We're not chavrusas anymore. Of course not. Right? You wouldn't think that because that's a machlokas l'shem shemayim. But skipping down, fourth to last line. What they think about Moshe Rabbeinu? Obviously, I mentioned in the Dafshir in the past, a beautiful thought by Rav Cook on a Gemara in Brachas Tafchav Zayin. The Gemara says it's a famous Gemara where we said that we say the end of it in the Haggadah. I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm like seventy years old. That's the end of the story. The beginning of the story is that there was a Machlokas between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel, and. The question was, who was going to be right? So the Gemara says, wait till the base manager fills up, and we're going to take a vote when they, everybody comes in. So the language the Gemara uses is, wait till the base manager fills up, and the Bale Tracin come in. A tris is a, is a shield. So the Gemara explains that, you know, why is it called Bale Tracin? Because people in the base manager are fighting Melchanta Shel Torah, the war of Torah, so they're called the Bale Tracin. The question is, if you're describing a warrior, you wouldn't describe him as the man with the shield. You know, you describe the man with the spear, the man with the arrow. You know, the shield, the shield doesn't do anything. The shield just protects you. It doesn't attack. It says Rav Cook in his Pirish on the Agada, Ein Ayah, on that Gemara in Brachas, Chav Zayin, he said that's exactly the point. Because when you're in a base Medrash, the point isn't what you're, Mechantosh al you're not fighting to kill the other Svara. That's not your purpose in arguing. Your purpose is to try to get to the MS defending what you feel. 
I'm trying to defend it. And if I get, if, I, if my safari gets torpedoed, that's it. I lose. But I'm not out to attack the other person. That's why the Tamil Chacham are called the Bali Tracin, because the ultimate value is to get to the MS, to protect, to try to defend and come to the come to the MS, but not really to attack the other person. So that is why the Gemara uses that Lashin, and that's a machlokas l'shem shemayim. And that's what we always have to ask ourselves whenever we're involved in any type of conflict. We always have to make sure machlokas l'shem shemayim, machlokas l'shem shemayim. What do I feel about the other person? That's how we have to always look at it. Okay. Continuing, Rashi quotes, going to the third Pasuk in the Parsha. There is some Kamashim over there if anybody uh, needs. Perak Tezayin, Pasuk Zayin. Perak Tezayin, Pasuk Zayin. Seventh Pasuk in the Parsha. Right, the story goes, they gathered to Moshe and Aaron, Kala Eda Kulam Kedoshim, Uvesocham Hashem, right, and Umadua Tisnasu Al Kahal Hashem. So, if one looks in the uh, in Rashi, let me just find the Rashi. Rashi quotes, let's quote it in, um, let's quote it in Rapinka. So you can just look at source number three. He quotes the whole Rashi. Vayikach Korach. So first he quotes the Rashi on Pasuk Aleph. Lachach hazatzmo letzad echad. Lios nechlak mitocha eita. Korach chooses to argue. Rapinka quotes the Rashi in Pasuk Zayin. Lekaman kasav Rashi. Sheteuso shal Korach. What caused Korach to make such a mistake? To argue... I could be like Moshe Rabbeinu, who says he's better than me. We'll talk a lot about that in a few minutes. But there's one Chazal. Chazal say, Shetauzo shal Korach haisa, Shera'a b'nevuah sheyatsim imenu Shmuel Hanavi. He saw b'nevuah that his descendant was going to be Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel, the great Navi. Beginning of Shmuel Aleph. Right? Only four people in Tanakh were called doubly by Hashem. Avram, Avram. Right? Yaakov, Yaakov. Moshe, Moshe, Shmuel, Shmuel. That's it. Only four people with Zohar. Shmuel, Shmuel. So, V'chavta al-Mishmaros, he saw Shmuel coming out. V'chavta al-Mishmaros, Kahuna. Kulum Isnamin Baruch HaKodesh. Amar Kalelu Yatsumim Enivani Edom. Look at my descendants. Come on. I, I must be great Yichus. I must be, I must create. I must be a patriarch. I must, uh... So he thought, he, he raised himself up. He says, I must be great. Moshe Rabbeinu, look at Shmuel Navi. He comes from me. So says the. Uh, that's what Rashi says. That's why he wasn't scared. That's why he wasn't scared of giving his machta, etc. Says Rav Pincus, right? Bamidbar just came out a few weeks ago. What comes out? If you think about it, Korach was misled by his own nevuah, by his own ruach hakodesh. He had a Ruach HaKodesh, which misled him. We're going to talk more about this, Pez HaShem on Shabbos also. Let's see what Rafinka said. Shechet HaShem Korach HaYayidei Nevuaso. Vudavar Temua. She has a Mechshom Mi Nevuah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you Nevuah, and that's what messed him up? HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him this vision of Shmuel HaNavi? Is it fair? Is that, is that what happened? HaKadosh Baruch Hu put a Mechshom, a stumbling block in front of him? Venire. Says Rafinkas. Based on the Psukim at the end of Baloscha, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu had a clarity of vision that no other Navi had. Moshe Rabbeinu saw in what was called Aspaklarya Hamira, the lit light, the, the shining light. Right? It was it was clear. Ubir Divrahim, Shemosh Rabbeinu Shaisa Shinam Adabaris Mitok Grono, Moshe Rabbeinu was as if the Kadish Baruch was talking through him, 
There was no blurriness. Moshe Rabbeinu understood and saw HaKadosh Baruch as much as a person could understand with perfect clarity. It wasn't clear for any other Navi. And now he gives a mashal. He quotes the Ramah who gives a mashal. Mashal line 10 Luzchuchus. Let's see, have glass. If you put a, a solid material behind the glass, Harimishi is taco by You make a mirror. If you put some type of substance behind the glass, then it turns into a mirror and you see your own reflection. But if you take away what's behind and you just leave the glass, then you can see what's on the other side of the glass perfectly. Moshe Rabbeinu saw exactly, it was like glass. He saw through. He didn't see himself at all. He was not involved. Clarity. Every Navi was involved and affected his own Navuah. Every Navi except Moshe Rabbeinu. So if one didn't have the proper attitude about who they were, and they were looking to bring themselves up, then that affected their Navuah. And therefore, Kharashbrakul gives the person Navuah. He can do whatever he wants with it. Korach was pikeach, as Chazal say. Uses you as a kli, as a vessel for nevua. But if that's true, I have to realize that Kadosh is giving nevua. I'm nothing. I have to lower myself. I have to try to get as close as I can to the level of Moshe Rabbeinu of seeing through the glass and not seeing myself in the glass. If I see myself not as a means. Ella betur davar chashuv be'atzem, but as Kadosh Baruch Hu gave me a nevua, I'm the ends. So then, shari zachal the nevua that could lead to terrible consequences. Right? That's what we know. Right? The Chazal say that navi shakovish nevua so is chayimisa because Kadosh Baruch Hu doesn't give nevua to someone to hold it in. Right? A navi has to say over his nevua. Mizem ashayis l'korach, and that was korach's mistake. He had took the nevua more as a mirror than as a glass, and therefore he saw himself with the nevua. He focused on himself, and therefore, that led him astray. That led him astray. Okay. Continuing, again, most of what we're going to talk about is, uh, is Korach and his mistake and the messages that we can learn. Um, we'll have a shir and the Shabbos will invite it on the Mitzvah Pidyon Aben. There's a Mitzvah that comes up in this week's Parsha. That's uh, this, this uh, Shabbos. Four Mitzvahs involved, but uh, the one from this week's Parsha we will discuss. Okay, but let's continue now with another Rashi. Another Rashi. Right, Pasik Zion. Pasik Zion. Rav Lachem B'nei Levi. So Rashi quotes. The um, Korach, in the middle of Rashi and Pasik Zion. The Korach she bikeachai maral l'shtuzet. This is the Rashi that we just quoted, but we're going to pick up on one word in it. This thought is not on your sheet. It's a, it's a, it's a Torah Shabbat pet. So if you need, if you have a pen, you can write it down. It's worth a worthwhile uh, writing down this, uh, this thought. If anyone needs a pen, there are more pens here. Um, says Rashi, the Karshi became a my royal Why Karach was a smart man, so why did he do this? Eino hitato. His eye caused him to err. Eino hitato. And then he saw quotes of what we just said. Rosh Hashanah's Gedolah. She also be a man who Shmuel Shachar Nagel Moshev Aaron. 
I'm going to be saved because of him. I heard from Rabbi Bernstein in the name of Mayor Shapiro, why Eino Hitato? Eino is Ayin Shalom, his eye. Shouldn't it be Einayim Shalom, his eyes? Eino, Einav Hitato. Right, so why Eino, his eye? We have two eyes. Right, so what does it mean his eye misled him? So Mayor Shapiro suggested that every person should have two eyes. I mean, we have two eyes, but every person figuratively should have two eyes. One focused on godless Adam, the greatness of man, self-confidence, the potential that we have. Bishvili nivraha olam, the world was created for me. Kadesh Baruch who loves me, Avinu, he's my father, just like a child loves every everyone. Every child of the uh, every child of a parent is special. So the, each one of us is special. Kadesh Baruch Hu. Once uh, somebody in the yeshiva, just uh, one of the rebbeim had, uh, had just had their tenth child. So I went over to him uh, two weeks ago and I said, after he had the baby, so I said, the baby, I said, Malus, wonderful. So one of the Talmudim came over and said, what number is it? So he says, it's number one. It's number one. So he said, I said, wow. I said, that's a great answer. He says, Rabbi Yitzchak Kohn, what of my rebbeim? I remember years ago, anybody who knows Rabbi Kohn, no, you can see him saying this. When he had one of his children, he says, number one, this is my number one, and this is my number one, and this is my number one. That's how we look at our children. That's Rabbi Cohn's Musar Haskell had a look at our children. I have six number ones. Right? I have three number ones. They're all number ones. So he says, we have to look. We're Chodesh Baruch Hu's number one. Bishvili Nivraha Olam. Right? We're the, Chodesh Baruch Hu loves us. We have so much potential. God will Adam. But we also have to have another eye. The eye of Shifla Adam. The eye of, who am I? The eye of, I'm a, I'm a tiny little ant thinking in the entire universe. Right, I'm, I have to lower myself. Right, they say that the Bali Musser used to walk around with right two psukim in their pockets. In right, uh, one pocket, one uh, one pocket they had Adamela uh, Elyon. Pasuk at I'm man is like Hakadosh Baruch Hu, like the Malachim. And the other pasuk says Vanofi Yafer Vayefer. Right, well, we have to have both of these eyes. We're amazing and we're nothing. Right, we have to we have to have both of those uh, both of those attitudes. What's known as Navardic and Slabatka. But uh, I gotta have a little of both to be balanced. So says Rameer Shapiro, Eino Hitato, his eye. Korach had no shiflas Adam. His eye, his eye, he had a lot of godless Adam. That eye was fine. But his shiflas Adam was lacking. Eino Hitato. His eye uh, caused him problems. And Rameer Shapiro continued and said, maybe this also explains a pasuk in Parsha Zosabracha. Where the Patrick says there, Moshe Rabbeinu on the day of his death, 120 years old. Moshe, uh, Moshe the Perek in Lamedal at Pasuk Zion. Moshe ben Meav at Srim Shana, ben Moshe was 120 exactly. Lo kahasa, eno. His eye was now weakened. Again, what do you mean his eye? Again, lo kahasa, eno, his eye. It wasn't weakened. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu's, you would have thought his shiftless ha'adam would have been weakened after a life like Moshe Rabbeinu. After a life where, look what he did, he got closest to a, right, to a, to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, one of the animamins, that he's different than every other Navi in the ever. Right? You would have thought his shiftless ha'adam would be a little warped by this time. Now his eye, his eye, nothing changed. Right? Nothing changed. Moshe beforehand, Moshe the same, nothing changed. So Korach lost his shiftless ha'adam. Moshe Rabbeinu did not lose his shiftless ha'adam. Okay. Now let's talk about a medrash pliya. Medrash pliya, as we mentioned in the past, is a medrash which 
seems to put, there's no medrash called medrash plia, but a medrash plia is just a wondrous medrash, a medrash that puts two phrases together which seem to have nothing to do with each other and the medrash puts them together. And the question is, how do we give pshat? So, we will have three pshatim. Similar, some of them are similar, to the following medrash plia. The medrash says, you can look at it in source number four first, source four, source five, and source six. Three different answers to the same question. What's pshat of the medrash plia? The medrash. The Medrash says, Vayikach Korach. Ma ra'ah Korach lachok al Moshe. What did Korach see that he wanted to argue with Moshe Rabbeinu? Para Aduma ra'ah. He saw the Parsha of Para Aduma. That's a Medrash plea. What does Para Aduma have to do with Korach? Right? What exactly is, is the message? So our first, our first uh, idea is suggested by the Apirion. The period of Shlomo Gansfried, Baal Kitzel Shulchan Arach, and the Sefer on Chumash. Source number four. V'nir al-mibasha echtov v'mir al-shem b'parashas dvarim. He says, this is explained by what I'm going to write in Parashas dvarim. So it's good we're doing this now, because I'm not going to be sure that week. Ki atos b'maiso ha'egel haya. What was the root chait of the chait ha'egel? What was their, we spoke about this a lot, Parashas Kisisa, but what exactly was the problem? They thought that Moshe Rabbeinu was so lofty, so high, You know what they thought? There is no substitute. Moshe Rabbeinu is gone, it's finished. It's finished. They miscalculated, but they said we can't live without Moshe. Like we spoke about last week a little bit, from the Meshachachma, they were going to deify him. But that's what the, uh, that's what, that was the root chay. They gave up hope. They had an iron in front of them. Right? They had a Yeshua bin Nun. Lo, he was sitting at the bottom of the mountain. Right? But they said, Moshe's Moshe. Nobody's like Moshe. V'lachein, kashachash v'shemes, once they thought that he died, bikshu lasos lahem elokim bim komo. They wanted to make a god instead of him. They thought there was no such substitute. But as we know, that's not true. Right? Ain dar yasom be Yisrael. We know, Akash Baruch never leaves an orphan dar. Ki af la'achar mos Moshe, nimsa ish acher, asher mileis mekomo. Even after Moshe Rabbeinu passed on, right? There was somebody who was mamali makom, vuhu misharsu Yoshua. Right? Misarali Yoshua. Right? Yoshua ben Nun was the leader. There was a leader. Right? The quote, Darshah Chazal, B'Pazik, V'Zarach Hashem, Yeshua Hashemesh. Vihine, right, the, the Moshe Rabbeinu dies and Yeshua comes up. So what happens? Korach sees Paraduma. What's Paraduma? Paraduma is the kapara for the Chet Egel. Meaning the Chet Egel was a mistake. Why did Korach say that everybody is Kadosh? Why are you, Moshe, raising yourself up? Because Korach just realized the lesson that should have been learned from the Chet HaEgel. When Korach saw Paraduma, which was a Kabar for Chet HaEgel, so he realized, what's Hashem trying to teach Kala Yisrael? You were wrong. There are substitutes for Moshe. There can be replacements. Don't think that Moshe is so special and unique. So Karach says, hey, hey, hey. If that's true, He saw Paraduma, meaning he saw that Klai Yisrael needed a Kapara for the Chet HaEgel. 
he saw the sin of the Chet Egel that they thought that there was no such replacement and really Hashem was trying to tell them that's not true. There is a replacement. Once that was already a Pesach, that's all he needed. I'm a good replacement. Why Yeshua ben Nun? Why Aaron Akawain? I'm the best man in line. You could choose me. Yeah. Or no. Or. Or nobody. Right. Right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that one in uh, in source number six. Okay. That is one idea. Again, what's the connection between Korach and Paraduma? So number one is the Aperia. Number two. So I'm safer that we probably should have used more. Hashem, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have time to study his words more from Yosef Nehemiah Kornitzer, the last Rav in Krakow, um, who has a safer on Drasha, safer on uh, Allah Torah. So here we have he is Shapsai Frankel's father-in-law, also the the Frankel Rambam. So it was a Beika uh, Korach. Source number five. The Madrash he also quotes. Everybody quotes this Madrash. He saw Paraduma. Venera Lilavire. Let me explain. He has a similar idea, but then he goes and and um, says his own idea. Right, the whole in the beginning of Sefer Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu gives Tolchacha to all of Yisrael in hint form, allusions. He says we were at these ten places. Barashi quotes there at the beginning of Dvarim that every word that he uses is a reminder of a chait of Klai Yisrael. Chatzeros and Dizahav. That two of the sins are out of order. If Moshe is giving a Jewish history lesson, he went out of order. in the Pasik is a remez to the sin of Korach. Next phrase in the Pasik, di zahav, what zahav? Gold. Right? on the So why is Moshe Rabbeinu giving a chazar of Jewish history and he talks about Korach before he talks about the Chet Egel? Right, there is Machlokas, Ebenezer and Ban talk about in this week's parsha when exactly did the story of Korach take place. Why, why but the, sorry? That's what the, uh, Rashi over there on that uh, Pasuk seems to say that uh, Chatiris is allusion to, to Korach. Is but, it's, but he assumed that right after, right, we assume it happens, I mean, I have to look at the Rashi. Right, Rashi in the Dvarim there. Take a look it up. Right, where's Rashi quote there? He's assuming. I did not look it up this time. Rashi, when it quotes Chatiris, the beginning of that, of the parsha. Where does he have Chatseros? Let's just look it up. Rashi said that's what it's referring to. Rashi and Dvarim says that's what it's referring to. The um, okay. Either way, that's the that's Chazal. So Esther Shmuel, why is it out of order? Why does first Moshe Rabbeinu talk about the Ma'aseh of Korach and then about the Chayta Egel? The Tirei Tzuzal says to Shemi Shmuel, you know why? By the Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu defended Klal Yisrael. How did he defend Klal Yisrael? Chazal pick up on the singular Lashon in the Aseris Adibros. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Asher Otsisi Cha. He doesn't say Anochi Hashem Elokechem. I am your God. Your God? What do you mean? Who are you talking to? So Moshe said, you were talking to me! How did they know? You were talking Lashon Yachid! So Chazal say, that's what, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu, def- how did he defend the Klai Yisrael? 
That was an excuse they had. They didn't really sin by the Chayta Egel. Some of them, some certain number of them died. But really they had a, they had a defense because they thought that it was just commanded to Moshe. They weren't commanded. But Korach says, we are all Kadosh. And what does Rashi say? They started saying, we all heard Anochi. Once we have the story of Korach, and Korach's claim that everybody was commanded Anochi Hashem Elokecha, then we say, if that's true, then even the Chet Egel should be considered a Chet also. If you just said the Chet Egel Anochi Hashem Elokecha, but you still have an excuse. But once you have the story of Korach, Kulam Kedoshim, they're all commanded. We all heard Anochi Hashem Elokecha. So now we know that the Egel was also an Adair. That's why first on the list is Korach, and then you have then you have the Egel. This is all background. Now we get to the answer to the question. Now it says of Yosef Nechemia. So at line 21. Let me explain now. After Moshe Rabbeinu Davin for Klai Yisrael. The Himlitz Ba'adam and protected them in Kinlochatu Yisrael. Remember, after the Egel, there was no decree of not going into Eretz Yisrael. Right? There was no decree. They Baruch forgave them. There was another Luchos. A Luchos Nius. What does that mean? Let's continue. Once there's a mitzvah given of Paraduma, which is a kapara for the Chet Egel, what does Paraduma show? That Bnei Yisrael were not totally innocent when it came to the Egel. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave Klal Yisrael totally for the Egel, why did they have Paraduma for? Korach thinks to himself. Why is there a Paraduma if they were all forgiven for the Chet Egel? Didn't Moshe have a good taina that only he was commanded and not all of Klal Yisrael? Like the Shemi Shmuel said? Says Korach, aha! The fact that there's a Paraduma, it must be that Moshe's defense wasn't so perfect, wasn't so great, and we all heard Anochi Hashem Elokecha. If we all heard Anochi Hashem Elokecha, he called Ha'ida Kulam Kedoshim. Why is Moshe Rabbeinu any better than us? The Imkeni Masharu Akarash at Sarak Paraduma. Korach sees Paraduma again. It's a it's a lumdus. He sees Paraduma. He says, "What does Paraduma teach me? That the Chet Egel wasn't totally forgiven. Why wasn't it totally forgiven? It wasn't totally forgiven because Moshe Rabbeinu's claim that only he heard Anochi Hashem Elokecha, not the other Klal Yisrael, wasn't totally accepted by Klal by uh, by Hashem, and that's why you need Paraduma." Because all Bnei Yisrael heard it at Har Sinai. If all Bnei Yisrael heard it at Har Sinai, it must be that Kol Ha'ita Kulam Kedoshim, and um, and I can argue. Alkain line thirty-four. Alkain Heitev Amar Amedrish Sha'ayidei Shirakach Parshas Paraduma Ba Vachilek Al Moshe Ba Mekol Ha'ita Kulam Kedoshim. Second shot. Okay, number one, the Apirion. He sees the Paraduma, and that means that there was a problem with the Chet Egel because. There should, the chait was that there, there are replacements for Moshe Rabbeinu's I'm a good replacement that was number one number two is the lundus that it must have been a chait and therefore the chait um, to was not command uh, the Yenoch Hashem wasn't only to Moshe Rabbeinu but it was to all Klai Yisrael 
And finally, a third idea. A third idea from Rav Salvechik, which is, he is not answering this question, but I think you could use his mahalach, his uh, understanding of the entire faith, you could use it to answer the question. He doesn't relate to the question, though. Again, what is paraduma? Obviously, the, the symbol of paraduma is always used for the ultimate chok. The ultimate in not understanding, the ultimate in, you know, there are dvarim, beyonds, beyond that we're never going to understand. That's paraduma, right? Shlomo HaMelech. Right? It's fine. You can't understand it. Rav Salvechik called the rebellion of Korach, you see in the next source, this is from Reflections of the Rav, Volume 1, the common sense rebellion against Torah authority. Jews defer only to recognize Torah scholars in the interpretation of Jewish law. Today, many individuals claim the right to exercise their own common sense in determining the relevance and format of contemporary Judaism, despite the fact that they are hardly biblical and Talmudic scholars. Right, there are many people out there that think that if it doesn't make sense to me, so then it can't be true. And it can't be binding anymore. Because after all, logic dictates. Common sense. This law, no, the reason doesn't apply anymore. Of course it shouldn't apply. Synagogue ritual committees and popular, etc., etc., etc. These self-styled postkim concede their lack of formal training in Jewish texts and sources, but they insist nonetheless on their right to decide fundamental religious questions on the basis of common sense. Common sense. Says the Rav, this is not a recent phenomenon. The idea of Jews getting up and saying, I know best. You know, I know better than the rabbi. I know better than the posek. You know, this is what the, his answer was to me. But really, I'm allowed to do this. I know this is what he spoke about in shul, but, you know, he's not with it. He doesn't really know exactly all the facts. So that idea of using my own common sense to paskin is not new. Says the Rav, that's Korach. Right? What do we know? Chazal tell us. What did Korach do? The two famous stories. Korach takes a, se- a whole room and he fills it with a hundred Sifri Torah in the room. He says, Moshe, come here for a minute. He says, Moshe, look at this room. Moshe says, wow, a hundred Sifri Torah. Korach says, do you have to put a mezuzah on the door here? Moshe's like, yeah. Korach's like, what are you talking about? There's a hundred Sifri Torah. What, the room's not guarded? We need a little mezuzah with Shema, Bahaya. The whole, the whole Torah's in here a hundred times. Right? Korach says, it doesn't make sense. Right? And what's the other Machlokas? He brings Moshe Rabbeinu a beged of Kulo Tcheles. A totally blue-black, not getting into what color, right? Beged, Rashi Rambam, a whole beged of Tcheles. Korach says, you need a blue string on this? Moshe says, yeah. Korach's like, the whole thing is blue. What? You want to, it's to remind you of the Kisi covered. So what do you mean one string for? The whole beged is blue. So what was behind? What was the, what was the root Machlokas? Korach said, it doesn't make sense to me. If it doesn't make sense to me, it's not true. The common sense rebellion against Torah authority. That was Korach. And turning the page, said the Rav, that was his battle cry. He went out to the people because people love to hear this. Right? People got riled up. It doesn't make sense. How can you do this? How can you follow this? Right? You're the, they're just the following along without thinking. Korach was a demagogue motivated by selfish ambitions. I'm reading in the middle of the column. His antagonist, he got antagonistic. Now we know that every rebellion against authority needs an ideology to arouse the fervor of the people people and sustain its momentum. It needs a slogan or a motto which presents a noble idea to replace the intolerable status quo. Right? Every president that has become president right, has some motto that he's famous for. Right? This, that, hope, and uh, freedom, and change, and this. Every, everybody, right, whoever, whenever you win, because you've got to have a motto. And then when everybody, everybody sees you, they say that motto. So what was Korach's motto? What was his bumper sticker? 
Right, what was Korach's bumper sticker? Right, the rallying cry. Right, in the, we spoke about a Hanukkah time. Right, the measure says Kisvu Akaron Ashar in Lachem Chelik Balakei Yisrael. Right, they had a right. The, the the Greeks made a made a decree that they had a right on the Karen Ashar. What does that mean? On the corns of all the oxen. That's the ancient bumper stickers. They had a right on the on their Ein Lachem Chelik Balakei Yisrael. Right, that was their motto. So what was Korach's motto? <coughs> Common sense. Says the rough common sense. He proclaimed that all reasonable people have the right to interpret Jewish law. Right? Everybody could do it. And then the Rav says amazingly in the next line, next, par- next column, line 10, Korach was an intelligent man. He would certainly concede that there were specialized fields in which only experts who have studied extensively over many years are entitled to be recognized as authorities. The intrusion of common sense judgments in these areas by unlearned laymen would be both presumptuous and misleading. Korach would not have dared to interfere with, par- with Betzalel's architectural and engineering expertise in the construction of the tabernacle on the Mishkan because construction skills were clearly beyond his competence. Right? If somebody calls the head, in this summer, my wife and I are going to camp, I'll be the camp rabbi, my wife will be the doctor. Right? Would I, in my right mind, no, you go to the basement address and I'll go to the infirmary. I'll take care of it. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look in the ears. Right? right? It's crazy. Right? We wouldn't think of that. But it doesn't make sense. Right? I'm not trained. I'm not sure. I have, I have no, and, and nobody in their right mind would ask me a question. Right? Can I please speak to your wife? That's it. Right? But, so today, reasonable people can see the authority of mathematicians, physicists, and physicians in their areas of expertise. And wouldn't I think of challenging them merely on the basis of common sense? But it doesn't make sense to me to take this medicine. No, no, but you don't understand. I understand the, the disease and not just the symptom, and therefore you have to take this, and ultimately, you know, it doesn't make sense to you. I remember Ryan Waxman once gave a, gave a muscle. He says, I remember I was, he said I had tr- terrible back pain. Just terrible back pain. It's terrible. For weeks I couldn't. I, my back was killing. I finally went to a doctor, and he said, you need to support under your foot. Like one of your feet, or are, are, are you're walking on it the wrong way, He's like, what's, what, what about my foot? My back. My foot is fine. My back is killing me. My feet don't hurt. So he says, no, no. They're actually, it's a foot. He's like, oh, it was killing. I don't have a choice. He said, two days later, boom, no back pain. Was the foot, the back. What does one have to do with the other? The answer is, if you're a chacham in, the, in a certain field, you know. And even if it doesn't make sense, you know, you follow. So he says, the rough says, in every other area of, the, of study, if we're not an expert, if we didn't put in the time, if we're not a posake in that in math, then we're not going to argue. Why then are so many well-intentioned people ready to question the authority of Torah scholar the Lamdin in the area in his area of specialized knowledge? Right, this is the rebellion, the common sense rebellion against Torah authority. That's the Rav's idea. So maybe one could suggest this is a third shot. Paraduma. He saw the ultimate in in a chok. He said, this is crazy. He said, he saw paraduma. He said, it can't be. What are we supposed to follow like the blinds? He says, just doing it without understanding? Right, that was the common sense rebellion. Paraduma put him over the top. Okay, that's the Medrash plea. Three shots into the Medrash plea. Moving right along. Perek tezayin, pasik tezvav. Very unusual pasik. Perek Tezayin Pasik Tezvav. Moshe Rabbeinu, after the story, makes the deal and says, okay, you put out your, your uh, Torah, I'll put out my Torah. Pasik Tezvav. Vayichal Moshe Ma'od. Moshe is very angry. Vayomer al Hashem al tefen al minchatam. Don't, Hashem, don't turn to their carbon mincha. Don't turn to their mincha. 
I didn't take one donkey of theirs. I didn't, I didn't act negatively to anybody. What does Rashi say? On lo chamor echad nasasi, I didn't take one chamor of theirs. Rashi says, lo chamoru shal echamayim natalti. Afiluk shalachli mi midyan mi mitzrayim. Verkadi is ishti vesbana. Even when I slept from midyan, I didn't hire a cab. Right, I took my own stuff. I didn't. I was coming to redeem the Jews. I didn't ask them to send their own donkey. Right? I only took mine. We'll get back to that medrash hopefully a little later. But the first part of the pasuk, two, two questions that we could ask. First, it says, Don't turn to their mincha. What are they offering here? What was going to be the the competition? Ktores. Is Ktores a mincha? A mincha is made out of flour. Karim mincha is made out of flour. Ktoris is the Ktoris. Why does Moshe call it a mincha? Al-tefen al-minchasa. Question one. Secondly, and this is the deeper question, Moshe Rabbeinu. We know who he was. Korach. We know where on the spiritual ladder Korach was. Moshe had a davin to Hashem. Don't listen to Korach. Don't accept his feelings. Don't, Hashem, please don't. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the greatest Gadol Adar asking that for the Kaddish Baruch doesn't listen to the biggest Russia. What's the Havamina? What's the Havamina that he would listen? And also the the uh, the emphasis that he didn't take any of the donkeys. What exactly is meant here? Says Rabbi Tzalel Radinsky, Mishkan Tzalel. Vahanira Lataris, line 27. Get the same time, we won't read all the questions again. Vahanira Lataris is called Hanal, Apia Yisod Gadol, Sheyishlanu, Bahayin Yana, Bitfila Vavoda. He says there's Yisod Gadol, which we know from elsewhere, that is in play here. Right, we know the Mishnah in Mesechas Makos. Mishnah in Mesechas Makos, Shahar Rotseach, Yotzeb Mises, Kohen Gadol, Meir Miklato. That a murderer by accident, a Rotseach, Meshogi, goes to a near Miklat one of the six Ari Miklat, and when the Kohen Gadol dies, then he's able to, to go free. And it says there in the Mishnah, fascinating, Umu Vashab Mishnah, Every murderer by accident got care packages from the mothers of the Kahanim Gadolim. Care packages, presents, birthday cards, right? Wonderful! Please don't dive in that my son dies. My question is, he has to sit in the Yer Miklat for in, indefinitely. It could be for a day. It could be for a year. It could be for 45 years that he's in the Yer Miklat. It all depends, you know, whose luck is it? If Reuben kills somebody when the Kohen Gadol is 20 or when the Kohen Gadol is 90, right? Because it's not, it's not up to him. So the mothers of the Kahanim Gadolim used to send food and care packages to the Rotseach Peshogeg so that they wouldn't dive and that their sons die. So, let's call them a farshim. Understand this? The Rotseach Peshogeg is not such a. If he killed Peshogeg, he obviously wasn't such a careful kind of guy. He wasn't a murderer that's high at Misa, but he obviously didn't take all the right precautions on people's lives. And the mothers are worried about the. These guys davening for their sons, the Kohen Gadol, who goes into the Kodesh Kadashim, Lafayv Lafim, where's the Shmona Begadim? And the answer is, Mufi Sham, skipping now, on the top, line four, Yotse Midiri Hayyushalmi, Shizel Kocha Shel Tfila, Shelafamim, 
שלפעמים אפילו בכי הגבנה תפל דברים גדולים. You know what the Kiddush is? When, the, when a person davens with all their kishkes and they really want something, the koch of tefillah is so unbelievable that things could happen that are totally beyond explanation. Totally beyond what we could fathom. Even though it makes sense. The Rotsech Meshogin and the Kohen Gadol, he's, he's in, he's in Saris. He's going to be there for 70 years without it, not in his neighborhood. When he davens like that, when he, if he would really put in the davening, tefillah has such a koach. I don't even came to imagine the koach lomar, And he says, well, let's, let's skip that for now. And he says, that's, that's, that's why they have to daven. I'll give you another example before we get back to the answer. It's Gemara and Yuma Daphne Gimel. I might have used this in a uh, Kippur drush in the past. Gemara and Yuma Daphne Gimel. The Gemara there quotes that the Kohen Gadol on his way out of the Kodesh Kadashim said a short tefillah. Short tefillah. Not a long tefillah because he doesn't want to scare the Am that he, that he dropped dead inside the Kodesh Kadashim. So a short tefillah on his way out. What is the short tefillah? If you had to daven a few seconds after you came out of the Kodesh Kadashim, what would you daven for? What would you daven for? Peace in the world. Right? Health to everybody. Right? We would have things to daven for. So what is he daven for? He says, Good, the year should be rainy. Everybody should have parnasa. Second to last line, source eight. Lo yadi avit shulta mi the base Yehuda. Right, the machlos base David should come back. Lo yu ampli yisot shrichin lefarni zemizeh. We shouldn't have to have needs. Velo tikani slafanecha tefilas over drachim. And you know those guys, those those guys who were Ola Ragel that are on their way back to their towns. You know they're going to daven that it doesn't rain yet because they don't want to get stuck in the rain. Don't listen to their tefilas because Klai Yisrael needs the rain. Okay, Okay, got it. Don't listen to their 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 uh, their uh, rainy tefillas, you know, because we need we need the rain. Don't listen to that. Yeah. Because one traveler on the road doesn't want to get stuck in the mud, so all the farmers of Eretz Yisrael have to David. Don't listen. And the coin goes on your kipper has to David. Don't listen to the tefillas of the Obed Drachim. I don't know why, but when we recite this tefillah on your kipper, we leave out that line. I'm not sure why. Know the machzarim. We say this beautiful tefillah, we leave out that line. But what's the message? The message is, yeah. Because when they're on the road and they got, they're at their wagon and they have all their parnasa there, they have nothing. If they get stuck, they're finished. So they're going to daven from the heart. They're going to daven deep. We st- spoke about months ago, Parshas Vayachi. Tefillah is called Bacharbi Yuvakashti. The Meshachachma explains the deeper you pull back, like an arrow, the farther it goes. They're going to daven really, really hard. The Korach HaTefillah. So the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur have to try to prevent it. Because Klai needs rain. Moshe Rabbeinu, he knows the Korach and He's scared of it, even from a Korach. Because don't listen. Because you know what I'm worried about? I'm worried I'll take it. This is now, now Rav Radinsky talking. I'm worried for their Mincha. Why do you call it a Mincha? Because what does the Gemara Menachas tell us? He quotes, the Gemara Menachas tells us, why does it say Nefesh when it talks about a carbon Mincha in Parshas Vayikra, it says that the nef- a Nefesh brings, uh, brings the carbon Mincha. Why does it say Nefesh? Because who brings carbon Minchas? A poor person who can't afford an animal, can't even afford a bird. Bring some flour. I can't, a cow, a goat, a bird, a flower. And Kodesh Baruch Hu says Nefesh. You know why? Because I'll consider this flower as if you gave me your whole nefesh, your whole mahus. I don't care as long as your kavan is there. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Al tefen al minchasam." Don't listen to their mincha because that's the kind of tefillah that I'm worried about. I know it's k'tores, 
but mincha, which symbolizes the nefesh of a person. That's the tefillah that I'm worried about. Al tefen el, al el That's why he's worried. That's why he calls it a carbon mincha. Good. Okay. Let's skip Rav Schwab for now. Feel free. I just wanted to end off with um, source 10 and 11. Rav Schwab is on that, the Rashi, about the chamor echanasas. Just one, a one-liner by the Svarno. Svarno discusses, right, we know Korach's punishment, continuing in the parsha, right, it gets swallowed up. There's a whole separate discussion, right, the Mishnah Perkyavo says that the Piha Aretz was one of the creations at Bein Hashmashas. Right, Piha Aton, it's coming up in a couple of weeks, right, next week. Um, Piha Aretz, two weeks, um, in Eretz Yisrael. Um, Piha Aretz, Piha Aton, right, was it a new creation in Earthquake? Was it something from my separatious? That's a whole discussion that we shown him. But either way, the earth got sw- the earth swallowed up Korach and his family, and the pasuk says all of his possessions. Kol harachush pasuk All the possessions of Korach also went down the drain. So why do all of his possessions have to go? Find him, he find his family. They didn't protest. Right, you want to say you want to say his 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 car. His car had to go down. Right, his uh, his all of his assets. What that, that okay, you maybe, you know, could have could have taken it, like a given right if somebody's go right now we know, right, all the right the people who got the right somebody goes to jail, so you take all of his assets and give them out to all the people he ripped off. Right? So so why couldn't you keep his assets? Says the Sphernal is exactly the point. Kharishbrahu did not want Korach to get any Zuchuyos. We know the halacha is that if somebody drops a penny and then somebody picks an ani picks it up and finds it, I get schar for dropping it. If I didn't know about it, it's like the halach of shechachah. I forget a bundle in the field, amazing, miss some stucca. So Kodesh did not want Korach even to get the zchuyos of the assets. So the Sparno, Shalom Yisku, Sheyenu, Tzadikim, Ba'amawam, Kinyin, Nafla, Salam, Echeko, Matzah, Ani, Ben, Espar, That's the one line Sparno, why even the, um, even the Rechush. And finally, just end off with one thought. An idea that we mentioned in the past, but again, it uh, could always be mentioned from Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe notes, again, continuing the parsha, when the, the sign was made to prove Aaron Cohen should be the Kohen Gadol, and Targi Uzayin, Pasach of Gimel, Pasach says that Moshe Rabbeinu went the next day and saw that Aaron's staff, Aaron's stick, had blossomed. Vine Perach Mata Aaron, Lebeis Levi, this is where Rav Aaron Salvechik Svarim got their name, Perach Mata Aaron, this Pasuk. Vayotze Perach, Vayotze Tzitz, Vayikom A blossom went out, a flower grew, and nuts came on the uh, came out of the uh, the stick. Yes, for Moshe, usually when a fruit, there's a process when something grows. You have to blossom, and then the blossom opens up, and the blossom falls off, and then the fruit comes. Usually you don't still have the blossom on the tree when you have the fruit. So why on Aaron's stick did you have, have everything? Everything was there. Right? The blossom didn't fall off. So one shot could be, and this, if anybody has to speak at a simcha, Parshish Korach ever, this is a great simcha vart, that no matter what the results are, where it came from can never be forgotten. And there's always, there's always a connection between the fruit and the blossoms from which they come. And one can, the fruit can never forget the blossoms because they're, they're connected. Right, it relates to a beautiful thought from Rosh Zalman where it says, In ve'agefen, vid ve'agefen. We sing about Hassan and Kala, right? Dover, no, they're beautiful like vines. Like vines. In ve'agefen, why like vines? 
That's the most beautiful fruit. Inveya Gefen. So Shlomo Zalman says, unbelievable. Vines are the only fruit. A vine doesn't grow. You can't plant a vine tree. You plant an apple tree, the apple tree grows. Vine needs to be supported by a pole, by a, by a, by a, by a metal bar. A vine can't just grow by itself. It has to hold on to something, unlike every other fruit tree. So we tell the chassan and kala, inve agefen, vini agefen. You should blossom and grow, but you remember like the vine. You can never forget the parents, the grandparents. You're supported by them. Right? That, that's one shot. Right? Even though there are, there are, there are shkedim here, you always have to remember where it comes from. Ramosha says, a different shot. Ramosha says that maybe it's that the blossoms symbolize the hard work that went into the results. And even when the result comes, HaKadosh Baruch never forgets the hard work. Right? L'fum tsara agra, l'fum amelus, the hard work that we put into something, the uh, the greater the schar, and HaKadosh Baruch never forgets the amelus. Right? It's, it's the famous chavetz chayim, anu amelum, behem amelum, we get schar for the amelus. But HaKadosh Baruch never forgets the amelus, that's why the prachim are there forever. Ramosha writes on line 13, Shagama prachim nisharu kayamim la'olam, to kala tirchav atzar shebalu l'kayim ha-mitzvah v'lumo l'torah, kayim la'ad. So says Moshe, that's why the blossoms are there. So all the hard work that we do in life, in every area, in Talmud Torah, in Chesed, in all the amelos that we have, in child rearing, right? All the amelos that we have, we should not Baruch Hu remembers every schwitz, every sweat, all the amelos that we have, he has it recorded upstairs, and the fruit will come. And even when the fruit comes, he doesn't forget the amelus that we had either. Okay, we'll stop here. Ben Hashem, we will pick up. Harshas Kiseitse. Harshas Kiseitse. And uh, it's been great. And Ben Hashem will continue.